Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to talk about faith tonight. I've been given the opportunity to speak about faith and, and, and I want to do that with you tonight. I'm going to use an account from the Gospels, one that you're probably quite familiar with, and I want to try and bring out of it some things maybe that you haven't thought about. But before I get to that verse of Scripture, I want to say this to you, that God would never expect us to have faith and use faith if it was an impossible task. He would never expect us to do something that he's made it too hard for us to do. That's that's not in the nature of God. You cannot find that sort of pattern or that sort of understanding or that description of God anywhere in Scripture. Every time he moves to do something, every time he asks something of us, it's because he has made the way open for us. And along the way, he even left milestones of what was happening. When the children of Israel walked through the middle of the Jordan River, they were told to put a bunch of stones as an altar in the middle of the floor or the bed of the river, and they were told to put another bunch of stones up on the bank. Now, the importance of those stones were were to mark and be a memorial to every time they came to that place, they could say, this is where we came over. This is the place where it happened. So God was not going to ask them to do anything that he wasn't prepared to open the way for them and show them the way. And Jesus turned to those stones in his time and he said to them, to the people listening, he said, if you don't praise me, these stones that were put here by Joshua, And the children of Israel, when they come, these stones will rise up. These stones will get a voice and they will speak out. They'll speak out truth. They'll speak out of the testimony of our God. God doesn't ask us to do anything that he has not opened the way for us to do. So when we come to this chapter, and this is just one, there's a couple of places where Jesus speaks of a person that says, Great faith, great faith. You know, in our hearts, there's a kind of an immediate response. Oh, well, I've got great faith. I've got just a little faith or I've got a mediocre faith or I've got a weak faith or I've got a slow faith or I've got a behind the corner faith. When they were giving faith out, I didn't get any. I was behind the back door, whatever. The thing is this, in your describing your faith, Your emphasis is on the first adjective, but faith is still there. Faith is still there. And if you would describe your tonight your experience of having little faith or low or average faith or or weak faith or whatever, you are still confessing that faith is in your life. And I want to take your focus away from your adjective, whatever your adjective tonight is. I want to take your focus away from that and I want you to put your focus on that God has breathed by His Spirit, His faith into your life. Because faith, faith is something which is born of the Spirit. 
Faith is born of the Spirit. And here we have it right now. We're just starting a series in morning service on the Holy Spirit. And for us, for us, these two are working together. The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. The Spirit is the writer of the Word. Who better to explain? Who better to expound? Who better to show you what there is in the Word than the person who wrote it? The Holy Spirit of God. And as we come to this, there's a verse in Titus, which I will refer to later on, that says that we, we are washed by the... We are, have a go through a washing of regeneration. You see, you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. There was nothing in us that knew how to, when to, why to respond to God. We, we were dead. We were down and out for the count. But the Word of God says that there came from the Spirit of God a washing over our lives. And as we receive the Word, as we receive the written Word, the Bible, as we receive the Word of testimony, as we receive the Word of someone's encouraging speech to us, as we receive just one Word from someone who says something, that that Word strikes us and almost stops us in our tracks. The Holy Spirit takes that Word and massages it into our life. And the end product is faith. The end product is trusting God. The end product is realising that God has us on a mission or an assignment for His plans and His purposes. And in that act of massaging that life into us, He is getting us ready to accomplish the purpose He's called us to. There's no one. No one's going to miss out on that. So let's turn to this Scripture and see a little bit about this man. In Matthew chapter 8, and beginning from verse 5, it says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, or Capernaum, whichever translation you want, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just say the word, my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, this one, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. Now Israel were the people who were supposed to be receiving their Messiah. This centurion was a Roman, pagan, Gentile. You see, even before the cross, Jesus was throwing out the seed and the promise and saying, I'm opening the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom won't just be held to one nation. It's going to go out to all the world. And this man is proof that God's work was doing that and in action in that area. Not anyone in, the, in verse 11 says, I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're, they're three great heroes in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom... We need to be careful with our, uh, with our 
definitions here. The sons of the kingdom will be cast out into utter dark, or outer darkness. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These were the ones who should have received but turned a deaf ear. These are the ones who rejected the truth. I don't want to go there tonight. We'll just move on. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And then the writer, Matthew, writes these words. He says, and the servant was healed that very moment. The servant was healed that very moment. I had a grandfather. It's no surprise, is it? I had a grandfather. <laughs> my, my grandfather, down in the Clemsey Paynham area, owned a, initially about a 20-acre market farm lot, and then it was an eight-acre market farm. I remember when it was eight acres, and then it became just one acre. And as a young lad, didn't matter what time of the year we went there, I could always find something to eat. That's important. To eat somewhere on the property. He had oranges. He had almonds. He had quinces. He had pomegranates. He had loquats. He had uh, apricots and, and uh, peaches on the property. Somewhere you could find something to eat. He had feijoas. And they were really good because you could sneak under the feijoa bush and eat the feijoas from the inside out and no one knew where you were or what it is you were doing, which is important when you're probably taking something you shouldn't have been. <laughs> and so in my house, it is not lost on me that it needs to be a place where there is fruitfulness. I had a loquat tree which had been in a pot for some time. It traveled, from, uh, it traveled from Vale Park to Clemsey when we moved and then it traveled from Clemsey down to where we are at Seaford currently and it stayed in this pot. And we'd put up other trees and planted other trees and all sorts of things. And fine. I'm sitting there and Gay said, are you going to get rid of that loquat tree or what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to plant it somewhere, sometime, someplace. I've just got to find the right place for it. Eventually, I put it in the ground and um, watched it and it started to grow. One year, well, it was already three or four years old, and then one year in the ground, then two years in the ground, it's grown and it's grown and it's grown. Four years. On the fifth year, I stood in front of it. I said, I have not received any fruit from you. You owe me your very life. My wife was going to pitch you out. You were headed for the chipper. But I stood in the way. You owe me some fruit. So pointing at it, I said, if you don't fruit by this time next year, you're out of here. And I walked away. In due time, guess what happened? It popped out some little flowers. And it fruited. I got about 25 or 30 pieces of fruit that year from the loquat tree. Now, some of you might say, well, that's, uh, you just, that's just an occasional story. That's a circumstantial situation. I want to say this to you. When I spoke to that tree and pointed my finger at it, I knew that I was talking to the very life of that tree. I'd seen that Jesus had done that. This centurion did something the same. Follow me. 
this centurion had a, had a servant who was grievously ill. He came to the place where Jesus was. No good running some other place. Go to the place where Jesus is. Lots of other things will call you out and call you up, but go to the place where Jesus is. Don't lose sight of that. He came with a sincere heart. He came ready to receive something. He came ready to believe something. He came ready to give his best in his request to God to receive something for this man. The need was urgent and serious. Don't come asking God for your Mercedes. If God gives you a Suzuki, rejoice. If God does give you a Mercedes, rejoice. But don't rejoice more or less, just rejoice. Say, I have received from God. And if you have received a Mercedes, I praise God, I've received a Mercedes. If you have received a Suzuki, do the same. Look after it. It's God's provision to you. So he comes with the right attitude. And there's a humility about him. You see, he's a, he's a man in a foreign land. He's not their culture. But he addresses Jesus as Lord. And the second thing he says is, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. I'm not worthy. Now he's saying these things because he knows he's not a child of Israel. He's saying these things because he understands he's heard He's heard Jesus preaching at some time. He maybe has been there to quell some of the, what they thought were the, the absurgence or outbursts or the revolt that was going to occur. He has heard Jesus at some point. And the washing of the Spirit over his life as he heard the word with an open heart has produced faith in this man. And now he's listening. When he had a need, he knew where to go. And so he turns to Jesus, and Jesus made a comment about his response. And he turns to Jesus and he says, by his words, he recognizes authority. He recognizes that Jesus operates under authority authority. He says, when I say to a soldier, go, he goes. Does he say, does he go because I yelled loudly? No, he doesn't go because I yelled loudly. Does he stay because I've asked him? To? No, he doesn't. But he goes because behind me stands all the Roman army and behind the Roman army stands Caesar. That was his experience. And so he says, but Jesus, I see in you that something, a greater power is at work. A greater life is at work. And he is able to observe the signature of the authority and recognises God is at work in this man, Jesus' life. And he uses something as simple and everyday as the authority he acts in. He applies it. We make faith too difficult sometimes. You're sitting on a chair right now. And before we said this and 
Pastor Tony referred to this morning, you didn't even give a thought about whether that's, that chair was going to support you or not. When I go to Malaysia and I sit on those plastic chairs, you know, those outdoor ones, the first thing they do when I walk in is they rush around and get two and put them over the top of each other. Have you ever seen the legs, legs spread on those things? Yeah, and when they get out in the sun for a while, they get brittle. Yeah, and who of you have sat on one and have it give way? Yeah, I haven't yet, but anyway. But you're exercising faith right now. And you're not even thinking about it. Have you given a thought? Have you given a thought in this last 10 minutes about how well your heart is beating and pumping blood around your body and the fact that you're breathing? That's the planning of God. That's the undergirding of God that you can have life. If he's concerned enough about your heart beating and your lungs receiving life, then there's nothing impossible in your body or frame or experience or circumstance that he's not worried about or concerned about or interested in. And he will give you the faith to appropriate those things because he's so interested in where you're at. That was the centurion's reasoning and he understands what submission is. What is Jesus' response? Reading from verse 7, Jesus said, I'll come. Did he say, well, let me think. Hang on, let me get my diary out. Quick, where's my, where's my phone? Let me check my diary of events. No, and there's none of that. Jesus says, I'll come. And I am persuaded that he has not changed. That his desire, his passion, his interest... His care, His love for you is no different to what it was toward this centurion. When this centurion came because he'd heard something from God and he said, Jesus, come and heal this man. He's really ill. Lord, will you come? Jesus said, I'll come. No excuses offered, no excuses given, no need to. He was even prepared to go out of his way. And when he saw and heard the Centurion's request, he said, no greater faith have I found in all Israel. There are other passages of Scripture, you can look them up if you like, where there's no faith, little faith, weak faith, faith just happening, good faith. There are other, there are other but this man, along with just two others, were commended for great faith. And yet, and this is, oh Lord, help me. You need to see that this faith was so simple to the centurion. He said, I say to this man, go, and he goes. And he wasn't trying to work something up in himself. He had seen in Jesus that Jesus could say, be healed, and that person was healed. Your sins be forgiven you, and the sins were forgiven. Be set free, and he was set free. That's where we need to arrive at as we trust our God. That's where we're growing toward that's what we're doing. The simple word of faith, which we sometimes freak out at, this is a beautiful, it's an old definition, and I know many of you have heard it before. The word faith is simply this broken down. For all, I trust him. Faith. For all, I trust him. For all. This pagan had heard the good news somewhere. He was a pagan convert. He was honoring the Lord. 
He was speaking to him. And in his, in his process, in that process time, his life had been washed over by the spirit of regeneration. In fact, when you read that verse of Scripture, and I don't know if it's behind me yet or not, but if you read that verse of Scripture, it says that he has saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. What we're talking about Sunday morning just is so, so important to our faith. That the Holy Spirit working in your life is an active ingredient to your faith. The engaging the Holy Spirit in your life, knowing that Pentecost experience is an everyday miracle to stimulate and strengthen your faith. Not my subject, but Paul went on to say, he said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. Some might say that's a bit of a boast, but it's a great boast in the right direction. Great boast in the right direction. You want to strengthen yourself. Enter into that moment of a revelation of, who, of praying in tongues that God is with you right there and then. And so my last point is this. Go and it shall be done. Jesus said to the centurion, you can go home, it's done. Sometimes as you exercise faith, you need to take a step before you see the answer. Oh, I could wax eloquent right here, right now. A fisherman stepped out of the boat. He knows that the water won't support his weight. Everything natural inside of him would have been screaming at him, saying, you idiot, you're going to get wet. You're going to be a fool in front of all your buddies. But faith took a step. And as he stepped out in faith and transferred his weight out of the boat, he found the water. No, the command from Jesus, come. He really didn't walk on the water. He walked on the authority in the word, come. Centurion came with a confident request. And his confident request was met with a completed answer. If you come to God with your request, and it's something a bit dumb like a request for a vehicle like I mentioned a while ago, it's not really, it's not really I've got to have this or I die type request. But if you come to a request that contributes to the well-being and health and quality of your life, I want you to hear it. If you come with a request and say, God, you know I need this or that. You know I need a job. You know I need a pay rise. You know for my family's sake we need a better house. You know, Lord God, we need some more furniture in order to provide for my family. Fathers, if you bring a prayer like that to God, God will hear you. Don't leave all that sort of praying to your dear wife. God has charged you as being head of the house and you're the one he's listening for. God has actually got an ear out to hear the voice of the fathers crying out on behalf of their children. 
And he says, it's not, how many times has he looked down from heaven and said, it's not good that we have to keep on answering this dear wife's cries because hubby won't get off his backside, get away from the TV. I'm a real man, I'm just flicking over the channels here. <laughs> won't just get off the TV, won't just leave it alone, won't stand up and be strong in the name of the Lord and request for his family, receive it for his family. Third one here is that distance doesn't matter. Distance is of no account. The fact that we're here praying and the situation is there, there, or a million miles away is, is of no consequence to God. It's of no consequence to God. Don't ever let it hold you back. Don't ever let the lie that that person's not here hold you back from reaching out and asking. Don't ever let it be a tyranny over your life to say, well, I haven't got there. I can't get there. I can't get there. Don't do that. Prayer knows no distance. Knows no distance. Reach out to God. Believe Him. And finally, believing implies trust has overcome doubt. I remember Pastor Phil Pringle saying this, and he said that whenever you doubt, and you would know this, whenever you reach out in faith, there can come a moment of doubt. Will I? Will it happen? The reason why doubt arises, the reason why doubt arises is because you're reaching out into an unknown area. You're treading on a path that you've not trodden on before. And so a doubt comes up. Peter, Peter, when he threw his leg out of the boat, you've got to believe his brain was doing cartwheels with doubt. But he was prepared to say, God, I'm going to step out in that word that I have from my Saviour. I'm going to trust the one who created all has a word of authority over all that he's created. Hey, you better believe this. You've got to get this. Everything is spinning in place because God, the Bible says, upholds it by the word of his authority. If he made it and keeps it in place, don't you think that he can control it or adjust it for you? He can put his hand upon it and he can change it. So every time you take a step in faith and that doubt creeps up to you and wants to make you cringe back and not step out, Know that that doubt is actually indicating that you are about to move into faith. And you're stepping across a line. You're stepping into a new experience. You're going down a new pathway. You're doing something different to what you have done before. God wants to do that too. So our lessons for tonight are the Word of God. Whether it's a written word, whether it's your testimony or the testimony someone else is speaking, whether it's the preaching of the word like we do, I'm doing tonight, whether it's a picture, whether it's an inspiring scene in nature and creation, whether it's a word spoken from a friend or even a circumstance that pushes you to a wall or a circumstance that makes you go, wow, look at that. What did that? When that experience is touched by the Spirit of God, faith is started in a person's heart and life. God will use those simple things to begin faith in our lives and begin hope as the Spirit of God blows upon our lives. And finally, the Holy Spirit draws us to God in whatever way He chooses. Whatever way He chooses. God is infinite in what He can do. Infinite. 
infinite. Of us people who are here tonight, God has a way to reach us, each one of us as individuals, differently from the person who's sitting next to you. God cares about you so much. He knows, the, he knows your name. He knows the space you live in. He knows the plans and purposes that he has for you in your lifetime. He's looking for you to flip the switch and engage. He's looking for you to step out beyond what you do and do for him and do in cooperation with him. He's looking for you to move from your natural concerns and thinking into stepping and living by faith as prompted by his Spirit. And where you do that, he provides a way for you to go. He wants you to do that. Sometimes he'll even use a friend, a family member, a circumstance, example, or pressure to cause us to confront something that would hold us back. Don't let anything hold you back from stepping out in faith tonight. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 